you set for all the action. It's Vancouver Canucks game day on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The final Canucks Central pregame show of the season as the Vancouver Canucks get set to close out the year against the Edmonton Oilers. They are in Edmonton for this one. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah with you. You can interact with the pregame show 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. What started out as a dud of a game last night, Sat, ended up being quite fun through the third period and overtime the Canucks come back to beat the LA Kings and it was a nice send-off to a season that started so poorly and for good reason the fan base was quite angry yes and now because of the changes and because of the strong record to finish the season just feels like there's a whole lot more optimism around the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and, you know, especially with, you see how they've embraced head coach Bruce Boudreaux. And, you know, it took about 55 minutes, but the fans were finally able to chant, Bruce, there it is, after the Canucks were able to get back to the game and score a goal finally. And you just kind of see the loving all of a sudden with this team. And, and when the baggage is gone, now most fans can just kind of appreciate what they see on the ice and be hopeful for the future. We'll see what happens this offseason, but there's certainly a far different vibe around this team now than it's been the past few years. And, you know, that bodes well for the it bodes well for the overall psyche of this market, I believe, because they've had a lot of tough years, a lot of tough off-seasons too where people have a lot of trepidation. And hey, you can't please everybody and I'm sure there are people that will be unsatisfied, dissatisfied and and also unhappy with whatever happens or doesn't happen this off-season, but collectively there is more optimism, and until you, you know this new management team proves you wrong, you have no reason to doubt their competence. Three cup rings from your uh, your president sounds pretty good. Uh, can he bring it to Vancouver? That starts this summer, and the post game show tonight, I'm sure, will be a lot of big picture topics, and we're gonna have Irfan Gafar join us uh, in a little bit to talk about some of the rumblings around this team as the season comes to an end. But I think tonight's game is kind of about JT Miller, Sat. I know, like, Boudreaux was asked about him getting to 100 points last night, and what's the coach going to say, really? But JT Miller getting to 100 points would be a nice little extra to add on to the season and an extra for his contract negotiations as well, whether they be in Vancouver or elsewhere. JT. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the way JT's played this season, none of us expect the no. 100 points. And he might get that today. And he talked about it when meeting with the media that, um, yeah, he kind of wants to get the 100 points. Doesn't want to cheat too much. But of course, now you're sitting here at a stage and you're sitting here saying, okay, I, I want to get that number. And it puts JT Miller in a different stratosphere, yeah. contract wise, too, whether you like it or not. I mean, uh, and it really comes down to where Vancouver wants to go, how much they're willing to pay. Because JT is a year away from potentially cashing in big time. But what gives Vancouver a bit of an edge is the fact he has one more year on his contract. Yeah. And that means he wouldn't be UFA until the age 30. And who knows what happens between now and next offseason. So even if you make a big money offer, that's not quite at the number he wants. Is he able to turn it down considering the risk? 
it's uh, it's a very difficult spot for both club and player. Let's bring in our pregame roundtable. It's Joey Kenward in for Brendan Batchelor again today, who's joining Cheech on the television broadcast, and of course Corey Hirsch, our color analyst. Uh, final game of the season, gentlemen, but it does feel like it could be the cherry on top for JT Miller. Listen, I know. Before we get going here, uh, I think you guys have had a special delivery, have you not, to the broadcast booth at your radio station? Oh, have we? I, I, I did. Probably... I did not know this. Okay, well we've we've got one for you guys, and we've oh, got one here. I Cor- see. I so see. Corey Hirsch is is actually he's not actually physically on the headset right now because he's he's chowing down an, an early deal, uh, an early dinner, thanks to our friends from the Lower Mainland owners of the Boston Pizza locations. There's Hershey. Awesome. Oh, that is I'll terrific. Let him, I'll let him. I'll let him finish the 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 piece of. The piece of pie he's eating right now. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll peel back the curtain for a second. We had some uh, issues behind the scenes, so uh, nobody alerted us to the food delivery yet. Now that we well, have been alerted, we are very excited all of a sudden. There you go. There you yeah. go. So we thank our friends from our, our lower mainland Boston pizza franchisees. Uh, I know you've got one right down the road from me there on Broadway. We've got our friends out at Guilford and Surrey who, uh, like many proud supporters of our Vancouver Canucks broadcast around the province, it's uh, – a quick thank you to everyone that, as you said, behind the scenes, we had some technical issues. Uh, enjoy the pizza pie, guys, as we get ready for our, our season finale tonight between the Canucks and Oilers. A hundred percent. And, uh, it, you know, last night was uh, it was a nice finish to the game. Obviously, they win it in overtime, a fun comeback, good send-off for, uh, for, uh, for the fans at Rogers Arena who have been great all year long. But uh, it, it is a year that ends in disappointment, and it's – it's going to end up being a year about individual accomplishments, right? Quinn Hughes reaching the the record of points for points scored by a defenseman here in in Vancouver, and now JT Miller potentially adding to the list of 100 point scorers for the Vancouver Canucks if he can get there tonight with a pair of points. Yeah, Corey, we talked about that a lot, didn't we? Throughout the broadcast, that uh, this is a team not playoff bound. That when you look at them, stats wise. There's some eye-popping stats that come off that Canucks lineup sheet where you've got, what, three 30-goal scorers. You've got Hughes and the records that he's broken. You've got an all-star goaltender who's unfortunately not able to finish out the stretch here. Um, But it's so disappointing when you see something like that for a team that normally when you see those figures, team's going to playoffs. But that's not happening here for the Canucks. No, it's it's not. Um, You got me here? Yeah, you're good. Okay. So, I mean, I've been a disappointment in my whole life, Joe. <laughs> so the Canucks is not I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Come on, laugh at that. Jesus, <laughs> throw me a bone here, you guys. Like, I think I like think Joey was just terrified. Like you, He's like, what? You weren't. No, you guys weren't surprised. You're like, yeah. In your mind, you're like, yeah. I was like, <laughs> in my head, I'm like, Hershey, you are you're you're a pro athlete, man. Come on. Hey, was a pro athlete. Okay, okay, that was 16 years ago. <laughs> now I'm just a guy. I'm now you got a, a podcast but, that's up for podcast of the oh year, you know? Goodness, so, like, come for, on, you got yeah. some accomplishments here, Corey. Thank you for mentioning that. We interviewed a guy named Eddie Kingston today, a wrestler. Do you guys know who he is? Nope. Look up his story. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, what a good dude. But anyways, thank you for saying that. Blindsided, you can get it on any podcast where you are. Does that sound like a, a cheap plug? Yes. Um, anyways, yes, the Canucks is, uh, well, I mean, what are you going to do? They're out. Um, they got a lot of work to do this summer. Has it been disappointing? Yes. Um, but they are where they are, Joe. They're, this is where they, with the start, they got what they deserved in a sense. And not in a bad way, but this is par for the course for the you, you know they've had as a great a push as any team has had in the league 
through the spring. I mean, they had to go 11-1 and one over their final 12 games. They potentially could be 9-2-1, right, uh, as they, they yeah. finish off the campaign. But you're right, uh, a combination of things, and, and I know this is it's great fodder for talk radio uh, heading into the playoffs when the Canucks are on the outside looking in, but you're right, the, the start the team had, the start some individuals had, their poor results on the penalty kill, their poor home ice record, and, you know, even when you can dive a little deeper, the fact that they didn't take advantage of their lengthy home stands, in particular, you know, they were really good on the last home stand that they needed to keep alive, but it's that one before the trade deadline that's really come back to bite them in the backside. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of what-ifs. Right, guys, going into this summer? Yeah. What if they had started better? What if they had a better PK? What if Pedersen and Hughes had been there from the start of training camp? You know, But that's what makes uh, the discussions that's much more magnified here as we, we head into the, the offseason here for this club. Well, and you, you know, we spoke about this a little bit on the post-game show, but for all the talk and all the uh, bemoaning of what happened the first 25 games of the season, wasn't the best thing for this organization happen the overall organizational refresh? Getting in a new management team, getting in Bruce Boudreaux, and that would not have happened if the first 25 games didn't go the way they did. So ultimately, as much, as much as you know, we're sitting here talking about those first 25 games, uh, the vibes and the positivity and kind of the consumer confidence wouldn't be what it is if that did not ha- happen to begin no. with. No, I think you make a great point. In fact, hindsight being what it is, some people might come out and say, "Well, why didn't they do all that last summer?" Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's right? the more. Do you know? You know what, Joey? You you nailed. You hit the nail on the head. If there was ever a time, it was after last season. Obviously, they were going to wait as long as they did because you just spent a, a new contract on a, on the coach. You brought in the Sedins. You decided to back Jim Benning. So when you do all those sort of things, you're not going to punt on that 10 games into the season. So that decision goes back to the end of the previous year. You're right. Right. And now what makes things even more interesting is what this offseason looks like. And I know we talked about this in the pregame show last night, Corey. The fact that the Canucks made this massive change that the organization has never made in its history that big an in-season move that's bigger than when they let go pat quinn right and yeah. i think you were a part of the organization at that time no i was down in the minors okay fair enough anyways they got rid of me before they got rid okay of but else. but what i'm getting at is that they've never made that big a wholesale change now it's the opportunity outside of the short window that they've had and that included the trade deadline in february it's the opportunity now for this new regime to make change and a lot of people are expecting them to make it i don't necessarily think it's a slam dunk easy job to make the changes no. some people are are clamoring for it's two three years again uh, it's not this is this team I, I think they'll make the playoffs next year you can quote me on that today i think they'll make the playoffs are they stanley cup contender not even close next year they won't be close either um but here's the thing is they got they're going to have to make some hard decisions that people aren't going to like Joe fans are not going to like and that's just the way it is but guess what you'll like them in 2 years you'll you'll like those changes in 2 years um so it, yes it is a lot of work but it's not going to happen overnight they've got contract they're saddled with some bad deals um they're saddled with some other stuff that that isn't great. They get some numbers off the book. But, I mean, Yaroslav Halak, for playing 10 games, got an extra million dollars. That goes on the cap next year. Well, what the hell? What the, what kind of deal is that? Yeah. Right? You can – you can, and it's – there was just some really interesting scenarios. Um, 
So yes, but these guys, uh, they're they're working every day. They're they're thinking of it every day. Uh, Rutherford's been known to put teams together. He knows how to do it. He knows the formula. So. And here's the other thing that his track record has shown, whether it was with a Stanley Cup winner in Pittsburgh or even during his time in Carolina, he's not afraid to rock the boat when it comes to pulling the trigger on a deal that might not be uh, overall thrilling in the eyes of the fan base. He's not afraid to let guys go that maybe were brought in as part of significant uh, transactions, whether he pulled them off or whether it was before he was there. Uh, I'm really, and of course we've now got, although Patrick Alvin is the GM of this organization, he was there with Rutherford and Pitt when those, you know, hard, to, those are all hard. None of those decisions are you easy. Got, you got to, like, they might have to move Brock Besser if someone will take him. People aren't going to like that. They might have to move JT Miller if they get a good deal back. People aren't going to like that. Everyone's going to criticize you. It's Canada. That's just the way it is. But in order to get to where they need to be, you're going to have to make those deals, right? You, you really do. I mean, um, that's just the way it is. So, you know, whatever happens this summer, you have to trust in the organization. You, you really do. You have to trust that they're doing the right thing. They want to win too. <laughs> that's a, I love when, you know, like people criticize management or coaches and all that. Like they don't want to win. Yeah, maybe their decisions are the best. But they want to win too, right? That's why they're putting this on. Uh, I've yet to see a, a GM or anybody go in and say, hey, well, maybe Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> we got to lose. Um, but, yeah, they want to win too. So, you know, you have to trust that the organization is doing the best job they can. Gentlemen, have a great call tonight. Enjoy the pizza, fellas. Reach, I know in our last discussion here that Corey and I had, you've already had a couple of slices, so carry on. Oh, I can't wait. Honestly, we're both thinking about what to get for dinner, yeah. so uh, we're, we're both very, very excited. You're Turns welcome. Out, yes. Turns out we're having Boston pizza. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. Thanks, guys. Uh, there it is, our pregame roundtable with our play-by-play team, Joey Kenward and Corey Hirsch. Uh, it's the Canucks and Edmonton Oilers. The final game of the season. Puck drop is coming up after 6 o'clock. Connor McDavid and the Oilers are headed off to the postseason. They'll take on the LA Kings and it's a final game for the Vancouver Canucks who are not postseason bound as we know. But this, this last week has turned out to be a good chance to see if Spencer Martin can continue what he started earlier this year, Sat. And even though I didn't love the goals he gave up last night, mm-hmm. in the overall, he was still very good for the Vancouver Canucks. He made enough saves still. Yeah. And uh, especially early on when it was all L.A., he really yeah. kept Vancouver in it. And the couple goals went in. And after that, though, to his credit, he showed the mental toughness to not let that derail his night. And he shut it down after that. And, you know, that that, that does bode well for him. And the fact that he's playing three games in four nights... That's a nice little test to see how he handles it. Uh, let's bring in our next guest here during the Canucks Central pregame show of the fourth period, Canucks Insider. It is Irfan Gaffar. What's up, Irf? Uh, we don't have enough time to talk about the Seahawks, so let's just go on the Canucks. <laughs> it's probably it's probably a good thing. I heard they drafted another running back. Great. <laughs> I don't uh, want to talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, okay, this Canucks team. Uh, <laughs> how, you know, we didn't know what to expect once the coaching change was made. Obviously, it's been an incredible success under Bruce Boudreau. Um, what happens over the next few days as they try to iron out a future for Bruce Boudreau in Vancouver? Well, I think he receives an extension, and I think it's deserved. And I think when you 
look at it, I think from a player's perspective and from us watching and, and, and things like that is they're playing for the guy, right? Not to say that at some points they probably weren't for Travis, but you could tell. You could tell like maybe the message was a little bit, you know, message was getting old and things like that, but they're playing for Bruce Boudreaux and, you know, whatever he's selling, these guys are buying right now. And I do really believe that the Canucks are going to re- reward Bruce Boudreaux with an extension. Um, I think it's going to be two years on top of the year that he has already, the option year, so three, so three years total. Um, there was some concern that, you know, Bruce Boudreaux might have wanted a little bit longer term. But uh, I do think that, you know, at the end, this is what it's going to take to get done. And you know what? It's good. It, 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 for, the, for the Vancouver Canucks and this team right now, it brings stability. Right yeah. for the next few years, you know who your guy's going to be, and this is exactly what it's going to be like. And obviously, Bruce Boudreaux is probably going to want to bring in one of his guys, or or maybe someone else as well, to aid him along the bench. So we're going to have to see what happens there. But um, this is good news, and and I think that you know reaction among some of the players and, and, and things like that when it's all said and done, it'll be very positive. Well, yeah, and you know, getting him done, and you're right, and we'll see if it happens uh, as soon as over this weekend, and you know, certainly trending that direction, and getting him done. I think just takes care of, of a big piece of business. And then your attention is going to kind of go towards a couple of key players who need to have their contracts negotiated. Well, three, really. It's Brock Besser, JT Miller, and Bo Horvat. JT and Bo having one more year left on their contracts. And I know there's been a lot of talk about Bo kind of being the guy they discuss uh, contracts with next. Mm-hmm. And if they're able to get him done to a favorable number, how much do you think that impacts what they can do with guys like JT and Brock? Well, I think the biggest thing is to, is to try and get these done and don't drag them out into the summer, right? The, the Canucks want to take care of business. And I think that for a guy like Bo Horvat, he knows exactly where, where he's at right now. And obviously his agent does too, but they're going to drive. They're probably going to try and drive a pretty hard bargain, right? He's due for a race. He's the captain of your team. You know, he's a leader on and off the ice. Um, he does a lot in the community. So, what's that number going to come in at? And I agree with you. What type of discount? You want to say hometown discounts and things like that and, and of that nature. But, you know, Bo might be a guy where, you know, he's willing to put some of it aside, you know, for, for the betterment of this team. And, and yes, I said that I'm all about guys going to get theirs and things like that. But in this case, you know, there may be a six, five or six year deal for Bo Horvat north of maybe 6.25 or just under six and a half million dollars a year. I think that if that was the case um, for both sides, if they can get something like that done, um, they, they should be able to go and get it done right away. Um, as far as the other two are concerned, they're obviously the JT Miller one's going to be very interesting. We hear the reports out there saying, you know, it's not going to start. The number's not going to start with a nine. It's not going to be an eight. It has to be with a seven in front of it. So negotiations are always interesting. But the one thing that we do know for sure is that if the negotiation over the course of time before the draft isn't going well, it's going to lead to a trade. It, it almost has to, right? I think that you have to go and take care of business and, and improve your team. And if that's having to trade a guy like JT Miller, there's that. And obviously Brock Besser, um, sad. I've obviously heard you mention about, and you know, we've talked about it on this show numerous times, you know, we can see it probably being a, a could be a short term deal or, or, or a three year deal mm-hmm. perhaps for a guy like Brock Besser. And I think that that's what it, and I think that's what it will come in at. And I think for both parties, it's definitely a good deal. You know, it is the Brock one is is super interesting, and we've talked yeah. about it for for a few months. But you know, 
I just don't know what to make of his last couple of weeks because he, you know, yeah, he's he's starting to score again. Him and Petey have started to find that that chemistry again. Is it just like old times, or you know, that the the first bit of the season really really scarred some of uh, some of people's opinions on Brock Besser? Well, I think that that's the thing. But I'm the beginning of the season scarred people's opinions about Elias Pettersson too. Yeah, we were sitting here debating whether you know what was going to happen, and obviously. You know, the people that knew know he's at an elite talent and he's going to figure it out. And yes, eventually Brock Besser is up there as well, you know, as, as a top player in this league. And he figured it out too. So, um, like I said, goal scorers get paid. He's going to get paid like a goal scorer. I just don't know if it's going to come in at that seven. That qualifying offer is not going to be $7.5 million. They're going to get a deal before they have to qualify him. And if they don't, it's going to be interesting. But I do think that they definitely had a deal worked out with Brock. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And it's going to be really, really, really interesting to see what happens with JT. He wants to get uh, that, uh, the contract done with Bo, and it certainly seems to be uh, the case there. Now, the other question a lot of fans have had is, are they going to be active trade-wise, and how many changes are coming? And, and you and I have been talking about this since December, and even throughout the run, that no matter what happens, and even if they make the playoffs— there's still going to be a lot of changes here this offseason with this roster, and I don't think that's changed, has it? No, it hasn't. And I think, like, when you look at it right now, I mean, we can discuss this amongst each other right now. That defense needs to be improved. I mean, there's no disrespect to any of those guys, but, like, Brad Hunt is probably not going to be on your opening day roster next season. And are they going to try and move for a guy like Tyler Myers? Are, are, are things like that going to happen? Are you going to try and retain salary there via, via, via trade or, or things like that. So it's going to be interesting. But for me, the defense is obviously a priority. You're going to take care of what you have to do with your, with your housekeeping first and Boudreaux and then obviously Horvat, Miller, and, and, and Besser. But I, I think the next order of business is to try and improve the defense and to try and you have to replace a guy like Tyler Mott unless you try and somehow bring the guy back um, after the season's over. And that's definitely not out of the question. Um, so I, I just think that that bottom six forward group, you need to get a lot more out of it with not spending as much money. And we talk about it all the time with other teams in the National Hockey League, being able to go out and do it and find these players. Now it's time for Patrick Alvin and his crew to go and do that. Yeah, and it won't be uh, – it's going to be an interesting offseason, as, as you talked about. And you know, the one thing, I guess, that, that I think of when, when we talk about Miller is, do you see any scenario they go into next training camp and Miller doesn't have a new deal, but is still a Vancouver Canuck. No. Miller or Horvat. No chance. I, I just I can't I can't see it happening. I, I just I, I don't see it happening. You run the risk of injury, you, there's all these things that happen and yes the leverage uh, is definitely there for, for a party, but I just I, I can't see a situation where that happens. I, I, I really can't. Um you want those questions or you're gonna get those questions every couple months from, yeah. from from people in the media from from people in the room and do you want it when you're trying to improve you're trying to compete to a, for a playoff spot do you really want if you're a leader of this team your contract situation to be a distraction and i don't think jt miller or Bull Horvath, or, or Bull Horvath want any part of that or does management want the uh <laughs> to have to make the decision of trading one of your key players when you're in the midst in the of a season, playoff race, no there i don't think like that's what i mean i just i, I can't see it happening it's either you're all in with these guys or you try and improve your team without one of them. Uh, Irf, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Tell me if you will. Uh, there's Irfan Gafar, uh, who, uh, as he put it, uh, expect a uh, contract extension for uh, Bruce Boudreaux. 
over the next few days, as we've talked about, Sat, and it could be a two-year extension on top of the option that the Canucks have on on Bruce Boudreaux, and also something we've talked about for a while, uh, probably looking short-term with Brock Besser around $6 million per. Yeah, and it just makes a lot of sense on the Brock Besser stuff. And you're not going to be able to get an ideal contract for either side. Mm-hmm. The Canucks don't want to pay too much based on how a season has gone, but you can't get him long-term at a short number because Besser long-term probably wants to get a chance to earn a bit more. So that $6 million number, give or take a little bit above, makes sense. And even for Horvat, six, six, six and, and a half over yeah. long-term, that makes sense. Do they get it done? Fascinating offseason ahead. Game tonight, Canucks and Oilers. We'll have more on the pregame next. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, Canucks Central pregame on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks and Oilers coming up in about a half hour's time as the Canucks look to finish this season on a strong note and can finish with 93 points. That is a good number. It is a high number. It's just not good enough to get into the playoffs this season for the Vancouver Canucks. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shaw, Canucks Central pregame. Warm-up's about to begin in Edmonton, but uh, that's kind of the disappointing part. Like most years, 93 points would get you in. The Canucks, most other years, would be playing for their playoff lives on this final day. Yeah, however, it's true. But it's also one of those years that you almost need to be a 100-point team to get in. Yeah. Dallas in the East, and, you had to be 100 points. At least 100 points. In the East, I mean, you have to be a 102-point team if you yeah. wanted to get in. Yeah. <laughs> You're not getting in with 100 points unless you somehow beat Washington on a tiebreaker. So that's the type of year it's been. So when we talk about the Canucks have been on a on 105-point pace or under Boudreaux or even a bit higher than that under Boudreaux, that's good. But that essentially just still puts you just above the playoff <laughs> bubble this season. That's how how high the totals have been for teams. And uh, that's uh, the difficulty. As even though half the league makes the playoffs, it uh, can still be quite difficult to get there. All right, let's bring in our next guest. It is Cam Tucker of BCLC to take a look at some of the lines on the game. Thanks for this, Cam. Uh, how do the Canucks stack up against the Oilers here on the final day? Well, on the final day of the regular season, uh, they are money line underdogs against the Edmonton Oilers. I don't think that that's necessarily a huge surprise, but you know, for the Canucks, it's it's interesting. They're not going to the playoffs, but I still think that they've got a lot to play for, and it's name it's mainly J.T. Miller because he's chasing 100 points tonight, and. I think that JT Miller is going to be one driven hockey player. He always is, but I think that he's going to want to empty the tank to try to get that 100 points. And I think that his teammates are going to try to rally around him. So it's an interesting game for the Canucks. Moneyline underdogs, like we said, uh, you know, they are tracking right now at about 92% of handle and 83% of bets are on Vancouver to win tonight. But uh, all eyes are going to be on JT Miller, I think, tonight, guys. Yeah, and JT Miller, two points away from getting uh, to 100. So uh, what does play now offer as far as the over on one and a half points this evening? (laughs) Well, it's funny because, yeah, like you said, Seth, the total on JT Miller total points tonight is one and a half. And the over right now is 2.62 odds. Mm. So if you think he's getting two points, that could be a little spice there. So... Uh, that's an interesting bet to have, uh, you know, and then earlier today, uh, we did put up some specials in our power pick section on play now sports. 
uh, JT Miller to score and Canucks to win. The original odds on this were boosted. So this is uh, two selections combined into one bet. The original odds on this were 4.50. We've boosted that to 5.0. And then if you look at JT Miller to reach the 100-point plateau tonight, uh, the odds, the original odds on that were about 2.50. We've given them a little boost up to 2.75. So it's uh, it's interesting. If you think that JT Miller is going to get two points, and boy, he has had a remarkable season, um, you know, that's that's a, a bet that uh, could have value for uh, for anybody looking to make that wager. Elias Pettersson has reached a uh, career high in points with, with 68. Uh, what were the projections like at the start of the year, Cam? Well, you know what, Dan, this this was really interesting because I went back this morning, uh, I did look at this info, and his preseason total was 80.5 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was interesting because, you know, he had never hit 70 in his career. Uh, he's coming off of a, a season in which he didn't play nearly a full season uh, because of injury. And that was an interesting total to see. I think that the anticipation was a fully healthy Elias Pettersson would bounce back, have a great year. He's certainly capable, guys, of, of being a point-per-game player. But the first half of the year for a lot of these guys was just terrible. And for uh, Elias Pettersson especially, it really underscored the struggles of this hockey team. He just did not have a great start to the year. He clearly wasn't 100%. There was a lack of confidence. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux comes in. And it took a while, I think, for mm-hmm. PD to get back up to speed. But I was looking at this guy. So, you know, he's at 68 points. The under is, is obviously going to hit here. But 51 points in 46 games since January 1st. That's pretty good. 26 goals in 46 games. So, you know, when we're looking ahead to next season, we're starting to, to handicap Elias Pettersson preseason uh, point totals and goal totals. It's going to be really interesting to come up with that number i'm going to be really fascinated to see what it is because well i think 80 and a half was a little high going Mm -hmm. into this season i certainly think that that's a number or a a baseline for next year just given the the point production that he's had in a fairly large sample size of 46 games since the start of the new year so it's going to be really interesting heading into uh heading into next season yeah and you know what uh we, we've been talking a lot about Elias Pettersson props and especially anytime goals and, and point totals and stuff like that and let's just say those suggestions have come in and they cashed in really well for a lot of our listeners and and uh and people that have been getting involved in it. So for next year, you're right. A lot of these guys could bounce back pretty strong. But kind of reflecting on the year that was, and especially how this team started taking off under Boudreaux and, you know, all these players became productive, what was the year like as far as action on the Canucks and, and how much that there was an uptick when the team started doing well? Well, there's certainly, you know, obviously being in, in the local market, they are going to be the most popular team to bet on a lot of the time. We saw the Canucks, the larger percentage of handle, larger percentage of bets would come in on them to win, come in on them to cover uh, puck line. And, you know, I'll be honest, guys, you know, we, they're, they're not going to win the Stanley Cup this year, obviously, but that, the Canucks garnered the highest amount of handle and the highest uh, percentage of bets to win the Stanley Cup this year. So if you can imagine, we did start to see some money trickle in on them after Boost Boudreaux took over. They got really hot. They went on that win streak, and they really kind of continued towards this, uh, you know, up until a few days ago where people thought, hey, maybe they might just sneak in. 
And that would have been really interesting because they were definitely our biggest liability, uh, you know, had they made the playoffs. But I think that you're going to see next season if, depending on the changes that, that they make in the offseason, it's going to be a busy offseason. I'm sure that these moves that are upcoming are going to be picked apart to no end. And if they can bring the coach back, you know, I think there's going to be some optimism going into next season. And if the odds are, if players look for value, they might look at the Canucks and be like, hey, you know what? They're already a popular bet, but I believe that this team maybe could get on a run under this coach. They've got a pretty good core group of players. You're going to obviously have a few additions and subtractions, but um, it's going to be really interesting to see how our betters forecast the Canucks for next season because we did see once they got on a roll that the action started to pour in on Vancouver to, to win the Stanley Cup because everybody wants to be a part of that story. So we have uh, the playoffs starting next week. Uh, how is uh, BCLC stacking this up? Are the Florida Panthers as President's Trophy winners the favorites? So right now, uh, or earlier today, the Colorado Avalanche were still the favorites. It's very close. Uh, Florida is, you know, right behind them. Um, but it's interesting, guys. You know, we, we talked last week, and I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. The Florida Panthers have seen a surge in bets over the last seven days. Like, I think last week they were at about 8.8%, and I'm looking at uh, the data that we have today. There are around 15% of bets are on Florida now to win the Stanley Cup. So there's been an uptick on the, on the Panthers to win it all. Uh, Calgary right now is at about 15%. And the Edmonton Oilers, you know, there's an uptick there too. 13% of bets on, on Edmonton now to win the Stanley Cup compared to a week ago when it was about 8.3%. So it's, it's interesting. Um, the you know the Florida Panthers um, you know what a turnaround what a turnaround there we kind of you know started to see glimpses of it but man they're a good hockey team that Eastern Conference guys like good luck getting out of that one <laughs> it's going to be really tough yeah. to do you've got Tampa Bay as a two time defending Stanley Cup champion Carolina is a good team Toronto uh, you know hey I, I guess if they get hot and outscore some of their mistakes in net um, you know look out for them too there's a lot of good teams going into the playoffs that I feel they probably feel like it's their year. Uh, Cam, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. Yep. Thanks, guys. Take care. There's uh, Cam Tucker of BCLC. Yeah, and as always, bet on hockey like never before with Play Now Sports, the official sports betting partner of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the uh, plays tonight, uh, again, I'm going to ride uh, over under on JT Miller and the points total. Let's see him get to 100. And you know what? I like the Canucks. On the money line here, you're getting some extra juice and no Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl, so why not? Yeah, and one thing that Boudreaux has set is goals. Even though the Canucks are not making the playoffs, he said he wants to get to 93 points. He wants to get to 40 wins, and he's setting those markers up. And the Canucks, well, they had... Uh, didn't have a ton of motivation, it seemed like, to begin yeah. the game against L.A., but they got themselves into it a bit later. We'll see if they finish the season strong, and if they do, I don't mind that as well. And like we've been talking about... You know, Elias Patterson has been very fruitful as uh, an anytime goal producer. So for the final time, we'll bang that one again. 2.6 tonight. So see if Patterson comes through for the final game game of the season. For the final time this year, Sad is riding Elias Patterson anytime goal prop. It's been very, very profitable through the second half. Uh, Quick update on the warm-up lines for the Vancouver Canucks. Garland Miller chase on. Pod Colson, Pedersen, Besser, Dickinson, Richardson, Highmore, Dries, Lamico, Patan, OEL Myers, Hughes, Shen, and Hunt 
McDermott. Spencer Martin getting his third consecutive start here for the Vancouver Canucks. We'll hear from the coach. We go behind the bench with Bruce Boudreaux next on the Canucks Central pregame show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Canucks pregame show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Time now for Behind the Bench. Here's Brendan Batchelor. It's the Vancouver Canucks and the Edmonton Oilers tonight from Edmonton, and it's time to go behind the bench with Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux. And Bruce, first of all, let's just talk about the comeback last night in your final home game, sending the fans at Rogers Arena home happy. How special was it to end the season on that note, even though the playoffs aren't going to happen this year? Well, I was really happy for the players. I mean, it just proves um, what they've been doing all along is they never quit. And no matter, it would have been pretty easy to, uh, we were being smothered pretty good by the, the Kings as far as anything uh, offensive goes. And it would have been pretty easy to say, well, we just didn't have it. You know, we had a good run, but uh, they persevered and they kept going and they kept going. And, and that's uh, kind of the, the culture and everything that we want to, uh, for want of a better word, uh, establish here is that, we're going to be a team that uh, is to be reckoned with. You can never count them out. They're always going to come back. They're always going to keep trying. And and yesterday was a good example of that. So I was glad for the players because they looked pretty happy when they succeeded. You didn't reach your goal of getting to the postseason, but this team played very well down the stretch. They've got a very good record since your arrival. How much pride do you have in what you were able to accomplish, even though it fell just a little bit short? I think the team did a did a really good job. I mean, uh, uh, sometimes you don't realize how high the mountain is to climb, um, but every game uh, they they worked. I mean, we had a couple games there that, that didn't work out. I've counted four of them uh, where we didn't have good starts and, and such. But other than that, I mean, for the 50-plus games that I've been here, they've worked their rear end off and, and come to play every night. And that's, uh, that's a real positive sign for this team and this organization for the, in the future. And finally, you have a chance to pick up your 600th win behind an NHL bench tonight, which would be a great way to end the season, I'm sure. What would that mean to you and to the team if you can finish that way? Well, I don't know if it would mean anything to the team. I mean, it's uh, uh, sometimes when you sit and you're retired, it, it looks it looks pretty cool. Um, but uh, I, you know what, I haven't mentioned it to anybody it's not a big thing it's not the again it's a it's a it's a stat that's about me and I don't care about those things um so it doesn't really doesn't really matter I'd rather them have a win for themselves that they go home happy and they go home knowing that um if we put our mind to it then this team can be successful next year Well, Bruce, thanks for this today. Thanks for these chats all season long. I know I appreciate them and our listeners do as well. And good luck tonight against the Oilers. All righty. Thanks. The always polite Bruce Boudreaux in Behind the Bench, the final edition of Behind the Bench here on the Canuck Central pregame show. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. A jovial, one would say. Usually is, uh, except after a loss. (laughs) Or the time when people were asking about Thatcher Demko being sick. Yeah. And he, he, he did not like that question. No. He was not happy about that question. Bruce Boudreaux generally does not like losses. Mm-mm, no. Mm. You know what it is? Like, I, I do feel part of you know, the fan base really taking to Bruce Boudreaux is that he is who he is. 
You know, yeah. he doesn't like a lot of coaches will almost hide their emotions. They try to stay as even keel as possible. And, you know, in some cases, I think that was a strength for Travis mm-hmm. because, you know, the market can get really hot and cold here in, in Vancouver. And Travis was just kind of always the same, right? He didn't really uh, move up or down no matter what was happening. But Boudreaux, you kind of love seeing a coach like live and die with every yeah. loss, right? And that's kind of what Boudreaux is and how, how he acts. He's really frustrated post-game after a loss. And after wins, he can be pretty jovial. He can be. Uh, now, uh, some people are picking up on some stuff. And we saw people text about this last night as well uh, on the post-game show. And McKenzie says, dude, he kept saying they, not we. Why is Boudreaux saying they? It's making me nervous. And somebody else remarked how he mentioned the future is bright for the Canucks. But that's the way he's always talked. And the way Boudreaux um, and... The way what I believe he he's doing here is that he's making it clear that yes, it's, there's a lot we, but it comes down to the group and the team, and we're talking about success for the team, you know. And he makes clear by saying the Canucks, and even when he was with other teams before, he'd say the same thing. He'd say the Capitals, the Ducks. So I wouldn't get too caught up in that from Boudreaux. I don't believe he's in any way trying to. Um, distance himself from mm-hmm. the team one way or another. Like we've been saying, it, it seems very positive with Boudreaux on the Canucks, and don't be surprised if something gets done relatively soon when the season ends. We just spent 10 minutes with Irv talking yeah. about how uh, it is definitely looking like Bruce Boudreaux will remain with the Vancouver Canucks. So, uh, yeah, don't read too much into that. We do it on every pregame show. The Player Spotlight, it's brought to you by Super Soil. Want to have your garden in the spotlight this spring? Then make sure you head to Super Soil, BC's largest supplier of soils, mulch, and gravel. Visit supersoil.ca. It's pretty obvious where we're going with the player spotlights at you got to go with JT Miller who continues to be on the hunt for 100 points how do you not go with JT Miller who because he's the guy that can hit a actual meaningful milestone tonight 100 points is a big one for any hockey player especially a guy who's never hit that before even in a year you're not making the playoffs getting to 100 points does matter Go through the history of this organization. We're not talking about a ton of guys who have been able to crest 100 points in a season. So mm-hmm. he's going to be heading into some pretty amazing um, company if he's able to get to 100 points. And, you know, given the Oilers and given, you know, how he's been able to create offense, I'm not betting against JT Miller getting to that, to that 100 point mark. And I, I think it's well deserved for a guy who has been so consistent all year and really has been this team's most important forward and skater, perhaps, from a leadership perspective all season. So he would be the fifth player in Canucks history, sorry, the sixth player in Canucks history, to reach over 100 points. Yeah. Uh, Could you name the others? Uh, Alex McGinley, Pavel Bure, Marcus Naslund, and... Um, they look alike. The Sedins, yes, <laughs> of course, of course, of course. I mean, yeah, I had those first, but yeah, I got them all. Yeah, right, you got them all. Yeah. So uh, 
the one I think people would normally forget is McGilney. Yeah. Because, yeah, you know, uh, nobody forgets Naslin's great season. And mm-hmm. obviously we know Beret. Um, but I, I feel like the one most people would forget is is Alex McGilney, who was just absolutely electric in that year. Uh, his age 26 season, 95-6, scores 55 goals. And uh, since we've talked about this before, I know our, our listeners have told us, yeah, but he sucked at the end of the season. <laughs> Towards the end, he wasn't good anymore. Yeah, I mean, he pooched it. He should have had over sixty. Yeah, well, he went cold or something, right? Like he, he went cold. At he the went end cold of the season, at yeah. the end of the season, and he had something like forty goals yep. early on, and was like, "Oh my god, he's going to hit like sixty or 70. I mean, this is a guy who scored, you know, over seventy goals as a rookie. He was pretty good. Not that bad. Alex McGillney. Not bad. Um, but honestly, and you know, we we mentioned this before, but it's always worth noting. He had to go through a lot to come to the National Hockey League. Yeah. And he was one of the first guys to come across. And he did the so. The first, yeah. The first. And you came over, because people didn't think it was going to be him initially. Like, he saw, they kind of thought it was going to be the Hayes guy that was talked about. And then McGillney just does it. And, I mean, a lot of duress. Even in during his NHL career, there was always pressure on him. There was always pressure on friends and family back in uh, in, in the union back then and yeah. everything like that. And you always kind of wonder, with the ups and downs he had in his career, how much was always weighing on him, too. So it's easy to look back sometimes and say this guy's a bit of a mercurial player. But now you look back at what he had to go through and how yeah. courageous that was when you actually think of the circumstances. I have a lot of respect for Alex McGillney. The uh, stories of Russian players defecting uh, at that time is are, are incredible. Uh, you still hear it um, even in baseball today with some of the Cuban players that defect to try and join the, the major leagues of baseball. Uh, just wild, wild stories of what uh, what they have to go through. So JT Miller on the quest uh, for 100 points. What's been uh, really interesting, Sat, and will continue tonight, it feels as though Pod Colson-Petterson-Besser is maybe a bit of a dress rehearsal for a line we could see to start next season. Yeah, I do believe that's something we can't see next year. And given how they've played together and how that kind of chemistry has come together, I would not at all be surprised to see that. And, you know, it's funny because remember those discussions we had a bit earlier this season, Dan, about who has chemistry with who? Like, (laughs) if we have to name duos, like, who are the duos here? Like, name me a duo. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, we kind of found a couple. They finally found some, and... You know, the Pod and Pedersen Besser line, it does have a little bit of element of of everything, right? And it hasn't totally fit yet, I don't think, but I think that's why they're getting them some reps to see if they can find some chemistry here before the end of the season. So that's mm-hmm. a line I'll definitely be watching tonight. And of course, uh, JT Miller, as we've talked about, and Spencer Martin in goal. No Leon Dreisidel or Connor McDavid for the Edmonton Oilers tonight. So uh, Connor McDavid will finish the season, and he's going to win the Art Ross again. Ho-hum, 123 points. That's it. Not bad. Not bad. That's all right. Uh, but not, no Connor McDavid for the Oilers tonight. Puck drop is coming up. Joey Kenward, Corey Hirsch have the call. We're back for intermissions and postgame. You're listening to Canucks Hockey on the Sportsnet Radio Network.